One in four women and one in seven men have experienced abuse in a relationship. If you or someone you know is experiencing abuse, it's time to get help. You can call the 24-hour national hotline at 1-800-799-SAFE. That's 1-800-799-7233. You can also find information about free confidential help at local domestic violence centers through the Pennsylvania Coalition Against Domestic Violence website at pcadv.org. You are not alone. Welcome to the hottest podcast around. Good things come in threes with your expert panel of hosts, Pastor Jack Horner, Pastor Liz Fry, and Pastor John Brock. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Good Things Come in Threes, a podcast of Trinity Lutheran Church in Camp Hill, Pennsylvania. Uh, my name is uh, Pastor Jack Corner, and it's uh, just a pleasure to be with you today. I am joined with my colleagues, Pastor John Brock. Hello. And Pastor Liz Fry. Hey, friends. So for our topic today, we're going to be talking about uh, something that's really near and dear uh, to the church's life. Uh, and just a really, really important topic. And it comes at a time when we are entering into my favorite time of year, the church year, that is. And of course, I'm talking about the season of Lent. And uh, this uh, podcast is going to be dropping uh, on Ash Wednesday, which is traditionally the beginning of the season of Lent. And uh, it's, it's a season that just helps us kind of stand in front of the mirror of life and just look right back at ourselves and in our own souls. Uh, and uh, it's a time for a lot of uh, introspection. It is a time for a lot of uh, thought about faith. It's a time to better connect with God. And uh, especially uh, as we um, remember those words that, that are shared uh, on Ash Wednesday, um, about really entering into a season of, of forgiveness, and so of repentance and forgiveness, actually. And so uh, we've, we, for our topic today, we thought we'd uh, talk about, um, about forgiveness. And um, yeah, I'm kind, of, I'm kind of looking forward to that. Uh, this year, we have uh, really focused on living like Jesus. And if there's one message that uh, Jesus brought to the multitudes, it was about uh, the incredible uh, depth of God's ability to forgive us of, of our sins and our need to be able to forgive others. And so uh, for, this, for this topic, we have a very special guest, a longtime uh, member of Trinity Lutheran Church. She currently serves actually on our staff as the Director for Communication, and that is Stephanie Maurer, and she has a real powerful story of forgiveness. Hi, Stephanie. Hello, all. It Hi, is so, Stephanie. Hello, hello. Yeah, it is really great to have you. Uh, you've got a very, very powerful story of forgiveness to share, uh, as I said. Um, share your story. Well, I'll tell you what happened. I lost a daughter to a horrific act of domestic violence back in January 2008 when she was 27. Her name was Kirsten, and she was actually murdered by her husband. Um, and 
as the events unfolded, it, we found that the husband tried to blame my daughter for her death. And so there was a story of going through a trial, uh, finding out things that, that we didn't know what to expect, and ultimately the husband was convicted and was sentenced to 20 to 40 years in prison, uh, and that's where he is today. Wow, I can't imagine. What was that like for your family to go through that? Um, it was pretty brutal. Uh, I must say that I did suspect that she was being abused. Um, it was not necessarily obvious, and we learned later that she actually, uh, we found during the trial that, that the husband had actually done something similar, but it didn't result in the death of a former girlfriend, and that helped during the trial to bring about his conviction. Okay. I can't, Im I can't imagine all of the emotions that you go through uh, when you're, just a sense of loss, um, I can't even imagine. Uh, losing a child for and in any way, but especially in that kind of in that kind of way, uh, but also the r other range of emotions, you know, anger, uh, frustration, uh, maybe frustration with the legal system, and just as I said, deep sadness. What what were some of the emotions that you kind of went through? Well, the legal system ultimately worked. Um, some of the some of the the hardest thing was not knowing was not knowing the actual outcome. Would there be justice? you know, what were the exact circumstances? Because it was such an unusual case where the, the husband killed her, claimed it to be a consensual act. Um, that took a long time to come out. It required, it required a lot of work by the police. It required a lot of work from me to find people who, who had experienced this type of thing with the husband in prior years. So. The legal system actually worked, but because of the story that the husband told, uh, that Kirsten actually, this was part of their normal sex life, um, it was hard. The comments that people made, whether it was an article in the newspaper, whether it actually had made the national news at one point, that was the hardest, I think, to hear the comments from other people that, that were snarky. Although, as the trial went on, the comments the comments regulated themselves. You know, you could see the tides sort of change. So I think mm. it was also mm. an educational process. Mm. Wow. So, um, so as you went through that, um, what were some of the challenges um, that you? What did you learn? What, what did you learn from that process? What were some of the challenges? How did how did your faith uh, play into? into this into this whole process that you were going through I mean most most people unless you're attorneys you know you don't go through this kind of intensive uh, intense experience like this well I think my faith has always been such a part of my life now I will admit and I've I've said this I did I did not come to church that often for maybe four years it was hard maybe it was because of the comments um, you know, from other people, or maybe I was afraid, I don't know. But um, eventually I came back. So my faith actually never left me. It was just, sometimes it was just hard to come out. And plus I was doing a lot of public speaking, uh, maybe sort of gathering my own emotions. Yeah. Were you able to, um, 
were you able to talk to uh, Kirsten's husband at all? And what, how did, how did, how did, uh, how did you leave that, that sort of time with him? Well, several days after she was killed, um, I actually visited him in the county prison where he was being held. He subsequently got out on bail. The story, the story that he was telling didn't make sense to the police, but they hadn't proven anything yet, so they were gathering the investigation. But I went to settle some, some practical things with him. It was my attorney and a public defender and her husband. I remember when I walked into the prison, and that was hard. I had never been in a prison before. You could hear the doors closing behind you. It was just, it was, it was awful. I can't imagine being in prison. And we were led into this little room, very small, maybe, I don't know, four feet by five feet, if that. Um, and he stood up and just said, oh, I didn't mean to do this, Stephanie. And I just said, look, I. I don't want to talk about this. This will all come out at the trial. I want you to know that I forgive you. I, I don't like the act. I, I, I cannot accept the act, but I forgive you as a person. And I love you as a person, but I cannot, I cannot forgive what you've done. Mm. Yeah. Did you decide in that moment to forgive, or was there a process to getting to that moment of forgiveness? You know, that's a hard question for me to answer because I don't know that I had really thought about it until it happened. So if there was a process, it was unconscious. Mm. It just, it was just there. I mean, he's, he's, no matter what he did, he's still a child of God. Um, I, I don't want to see him again. Uh, people have said, do you want to meet with him? And, and I don't because I'm not sure he can ever tell the truth. I mean, he was convicted by a jury uh, of third-degree murder, voluntary manslaughter. I mean, the whole list goes on. He was convicted to serve 20 to 40 years. So, I, I mean, justice was served. So what else can you do? I mean, mm. <laughs> you know, I can't go on hating. Yeah. I, I don't think I can hate anyone. It says a lot about the kind of person that you are, Stephanie. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so his first opportunity for parole will be in 20? Pro around probably 2029, but the judge read into the record that because he had had a history of abuse with someone else, um, and actually of the same kind of way that my daughter was murdered, um, the judge at the sentencing called him a serial domestic violence abuser um, and said that he was reading into the record that parole should not be granted. Mm -hmm. So if that's the case, it would be 40 years if he served his entire term. Right. You also told him that you loved him. Tell us about that. Well, I can't say I love him like, sure, like a, like a son, but you know, at some point, I do believe my daughter had loved him, mm. maybe before she knew what he was. But it's like you love anyone. I mean, you, you see, you, you have a Christian love for anyone who you meet. So I have that kind of love for him. Sure. What about? yourself, Stephanie, was there any time that you've had to process forgiving yourself? 
if anything, I, yes, I, I blame myself for a couple of things. I blame mm -hmm. myself for, for trying to teach Kirsten that you should always be kind to everyone. I'm thinking, you know, maybe there are times if somebody's really hurting you that <laughs> you need to just make a break, which brings me to another question. I do get the question, and it's a natural question. Uh, if you ever meet anyone who's going through domestic violence, you should probably be careful how you ask it. But people say, well, why don't you leave? Why didn't she leave? If your daughter was so bright, and she was, you know, why didn't she leave? So the answer could be people don't leave for a whole number of reasons. They could have kids. They did not, by the way. Um, in my case, we found out from testimony from others who had gone through a similar thing was that apparently the husband had threatened to kill members of Kirsten's family if she left. So in that sense, I, I think she's, she died protecting us, and how could I not love her for that? But yeah, do I feel a little guilty about that? Yes. Mm -hmm. I did believe she was being abused, um, but I did ask her, and she, she she just kept away from the subject. And again, it could have been because she was protecting us. Yeah. yeah. So you've forgiven yourself. Yes. Good. Well, doesn't no. mean I don't feel guilty, but <laughs> yes. So Stephanie, can you talk a little bit more about how the act of forgiveness helped you to heal through this process? Yes. It's, it's not entirely clear to me how it happened, but, um, or how it, it helped me. I just can say that it did. Part of me wonders if if it's just easier to forgive so I don't carry it with me. But I remember mm -hmm. the public defender saying to me after I first met the husband in prison, um, you know, I haven't, I haven't seen anyone forgive, but it brings to mind, this is the public defender saying, brings to mind something I read somewhere where if you carry hate or revenge or retaliation in your heart, it's like drinking poison and hoping that the other person will die. And that really resonated with me because yeah. I'm thinking that is, do I forgive him because it's easier? But I don't feel hate. I feel, I feel hate for the act, but I don't feel hate for the husband. Again, I don't want to see him, but, but it, it is what it is. And I did suspect it. So you, you suspected it. What were some of those signs uh, that, that raised in your, the red flags? for you that abuse might have been happening? Well, I never fully felt comfortable or trusted him. I mean, we certainly welcomed into the fam him into the family. Um, there were just things that I didn't think were normal. He, he isolated Kirsten. He really kept her from her friends. When she was going through college, he actually would go down to the college where she went. And if she, I remember, she was an accomplished dancer, a, a classic classical ballerina, um, he would go, like if they had a, a trip where she went to, to do something, even with the um, advisors, he would go. He would, he would not let her alone, and I did not think that was normal. Uh, and then at some point, I found out that he had a, a criminal record. He had done this same type of thing to someone else, uh, although that person didn't die. But so there were just those kinds of red flags, but yet some people would say, oh, that was years ago, I'm sure it's all right. And when I talked to Kirsten about it, she said, oh, 
Yeah, he talked about that. It was a bar fight, so he wasn't honest. He wasn't honest with her. But that, again, it was 2008 when this happened, and his history had, it wasn't quite as easy as it is now to get court records, but I did mm -hmm. get them. Um, and he had served jail time before, but he explained it all away to her. And I had said to her, be kind to people, believe people. And I kind of wish I wouldn't have done that, mm -hmm. so maybe I do feel guilty about that. Now, now Stephanie, along that lines, you said that, that you had left church then for, for several years. Um, <clears throat> you left church, but you didn't necessarily leave God. No, I did not. You're, you're, I never left God. Yeah. Um, so what brought you back to worship? My older of the two sons suggested that maybe it was time to go back. Um, and so I did, and I was glad I went back. But that, yes, I never left God, but I didn't, at the time I hadn't felt, I don't want to say supported, but I guess that's true. I guess I hadn't felt fully supported um, by the church, which bothered me. Um, I did get, I remember getting calls, you know, a few calls, but after a time that goes away. You know, people have things going with their lives. So I didn't feel fully supported, but I never lost my faith. Mm. Okay. So how, how do you think, how, how can the church help those, uh, those family members or, or, or someone who's being abused? Um, what, would be, what would be ways in which um, a congregation could, or, or individuals in a congregation can, can help somebody either going through that or family members that are, that are, that are faced with the aftermath? Well, always to listen. If, you, if, you, if you're speaking to someone and you suspect abuse, you could guide them to call the proper channels or authorities to talk about that, but, but let people listen. Not everybody believed me when I thought she was being abused, and that's the hardest. Um, the other thing is, and I think this is really important, when someone loses someone, and not necessarily to domestic violence, although of course that made it all the more public, but don't be afraid to mention the person's name. Now, I say that for me. I know when I've done public speaking, some people say, oh, I, I don't want people to bring it up. But there are ways you can find, kind of find out if people do. I like it when people talk about Kirsten mm -hmm. and they keep her name alive. I, I think you all know that I have a granddaughter uh, whose middle name is Kirsten. And that, that just, it just means the world to me. Uh, that helps me a great deal. So, so again, if you find somebody in the same situation or someone who has lost someone, don't be afraid to bring up their name or to at least sort of feel them out. Would you like to talk about this? You know, this must be hard for you. It's the anniversary of your daughter's death. You know, and you'll, the person will let you know if that's something that they want to engage in. Yeah, yeah, well, thank you. So, Stephanie, do you have anything that you could recommend to, um, to somebody who might find themselves in in a situation of forgiveness or, or of wanting to forgive, but they're having a difficult time doing it. Do I have anything to say about that? I, if, just, somebody, if somebody says, I, I heard your story and I'm just amazed about it and I've had a similar thing happen in my life and, and, it's, and it's this, but I can't forgive, what would you say to that person? I do. When you ask it that way, I do, because I think I'd say, but, but what, what good does it do to hold in this 
anger or hate. I mean, seriously, what, what, what's the outcome? What do you expect? You're just going to go on feeling awful and feeling these things in your heart, and it doesn't help you to move on. I just, I, <laughs> I don't. I would just say, just try to let it, let it go. Just try. Does that answer? <laughs> well. <laughs> Sure. I mean, uh, yeah. I, I know how. When when people ask me how how do I forgive somebody, you know, I I, I struggle with answering that. So I was hoping for some insight. Uh-huh. I honestly, I wish I knew. I yeah. and I keep coming. This is sometimes where I feel bad because I think, is this just because it's easier to forgive mm-hmm. than to hold it in? But I don't think so. I mean, I I don't think I'd like knowing. That, that I've left this world with hate in my heart. Yeah. Maybe that's part of it too. Yeah. Maybe it's looking forward. It's just, it, it just feels right. Yeah. Well, and and I, I I do think you're you are right when you say that it is easier to forgive than to continue to hold it in because how many people have 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 any of us seen in our lives who are just balled up with anger because they because they hate someone because they can't forgive something, and yet. If they were to forgive, their their life would be, well, they could go on with their life. Their their life would be easier. They wouldn't be so angry. And yet, too often, so many of us just spend so much time holding on to that anger. And all of our energy goes to holding on to that anger and that hatred. And... And personally, I'm I'm glad that you were able to do that because I I, I see the light and the joy in your life. Um, but um, yeah, it's 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 how how do we then in turn help those people who are still caught up in their own their own hatred, their own anger, their and own. And maybe the answer you know. is just ask, and that's yeah. it. You know what what good does it do? You know, yeah. are you feeling good that you have this? And maybe. Some people would say, but I don't, I don't know if I, if I do this, then that person has gotten away with it. Mm. But not, but yeah. not really. Yeah. I mean, not yeah. really. Yeah. You're the one who's being, who's being released yeah. and, yeah. and looking for the good. That, 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 and in a lot of ways that you have, uh, by, by forgiving him, he no longer has control over your life. He has no control over my life. Yeah. yeah. You know, I'm going to go out on the limb here. You had said that you wish that you would have taught her differently to not, to maybe not be as, as kind. But that same thing that you taught is the same person who is sitting here talking about forgiveness. Yeah. You know? She, she was who, she, she was who you raised her to be. That's sweet. That makes me, that really touches me. Thank you. Um, it reminds me of something the public defender himself said. This is after the trial was over. Um, he said to me, you know, I haven't met your daughter, but I've met you. And I think maybe you two were alike, and I would have loved to have met her. And that just, that really touched me. Yeah. Wow. Uh, okay. Well, as, as uh, we said, uh, 
this year we are focusing on how can we live like Jesus. And uh, thank you, Stephanie, for, for sharing your story and helping the people who will be listening to this podcast to live like Jesus, to, to have hearts that are full of love and hearts that um, forgive. And uh, it, this world needs that uh, more than ever before. So thank you so much for, for being a part of our podcast today. We really appreciate it. You're very welcome. I'm, I'm glad to keep Kirsten's name alive. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. great. Well, everybody, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we hope you'll join us again for our next podcast. In the meantime, seek the good. Be the good. Share the good. Because good things come, come in threes. threes. Pastor Liz, would you give us a prayer? I'd be happy to. The Lord be with you, friends. And also with you. Let us pray. Good and gracious God, we give you thanks for your son, Jesus, who teaches us forgiveness, who teaches us faith. We come before you, God, lifting up all those who are being abused for perpetrators of abuse. Give them guidance and resources to get the help that they need. We also give you thanks for the gift of Stephanie to this congregation, to this community, for her faith, for her forgiveness, for her courage and vulnerability to share her story with us and be with all of us. We pray all these things in your son's name. Amen. Amen. Take care, everybody. See ya. Bye. One in four women and one in seven men have experienced abuse in a relationship. If you or someone you know is experiencing abuse, it's time to get help. You can call the 24-hour national hotline at 1-800-799-SAFE. That's 1-800-799-7233. You can also find information about free confidential help at local domestic violence centers through the Pennsylvania Coalition Against Domestic Violence website at PC. ADV.org. You are not alone.